All right. Well, this is the final week uh, of our Are You Satisfied series. And uh, I know that for many of us, just, just asking the question, am I satisfied? Am I satisfied where I'm at in life, what's going on in life? Has, uh, that's a journey in and of itself, just to ask those questions and walk through it. And, and so uh, this morning, we're going kind of, to gonna kind of focus in at the very end of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the second part of chapter 12, and just talk to you a little bit about one of the foundational things that Solomon's going to tell us as far as finding our satisfaction, our meaning, our value in life. But I want to uh, show you a, a video of a friend of mine, one that you know as well, and in his journey to answer the same question that we've been talking about. Would you enjoy this? Amen. Well, we're going to learn that about Solomon, what he talks about. And uh, let me give you a warning, if I could, real quick. Uh, If you've grown up in the church, or if you uh, became a Christian, like you've been around church for a while now, let's say you've been around 10 years or so, uh, this is going to be one of those messages in the next few minutes. Uh, You're going to start to hear the subject matter. You're going to start to get an idea of where it's going, and you're going to kind of click off in your head. And the reason why is you're going to say, oh, I heard this. I know this. I I get this point. I understand this. I I know this practical application uh, of of the the, the needed value in my Christian walk, and you're going to click off. Um, I'm going to ask you to stay locked in this morning because I find that though we say— I know this and I've heard this, statistically it proves out that the average believer in Jesus Christ is simply not doing it. And so we want to walk through it and find from the wisest man on earth what he has to say. Let me tell you a story. It's a story of a guy who uh, he's leading. He's a leader, right? And he got to the point where in his leading and his evaluation of what he was doing and his, his people and people that he was leading, he, he got to the point where he He started to doubt himself to some degree and wanted something more. He knew there had to be something more to really bring the greatest fulfillment of his leadership among his people. He was a good leader. And so he was a a believer in Jesus. So he he called to God, or a believer in God, he called to God and he said, "Uh, God, I just just need to know uh, what, what more can I do? 
So God speaking to him, this is what he felt God say to him, that God says, well, what is it you're asking of me? What is it you want of me? What really are you coming to me pleading about? And as the, the leader thought about it, he said, you know what I really want is I want to make good, good decisions for my people. For my, in my leadership, I want to be able to look upon the, everything in, in my leadership and be able to say, I can make this decision when the opportunity arises. I can make this decision when, when the occasion comes. And I want that type of discernment and decision-making skills and ability. And God's response, as he tells us this, God's response was, I'm so pleased, I'm so excited that you asked for this, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make you the greatest leader, the greatest decision maker, the greatest discerner among your leadership that has ever existed. And on top of that, I'm going to make it so successful. You're going to be flowing with with all the monetary needs that that you could ever want, all the material possessions you could ever want. All of that's going to flow as well because you started with this decision-making. Now, some of you already, you kind of understand the story and where we're going. This is the story of Solomon. That there was a time in Solomon's life where all he wanted was God's wisdom, his ability to discern, to make proper decisions. I've dealt with enough parents of teenagers and kids where if I were to ask you what's your greatest desire, you would probably say, just to figure out how to make the right decisions for my families. I feel like I blow it all the time when I'm trying to make decisions for my kids and whatnot. There was this moment in Solomon's life where that was the core, that was the crux, and God gave it to him. And he became that wise, or as the Bible calls, the wisest person who's ever lived. But as we've discovered in the last five weeks, there was a point in time for Solomon where his eyes started to go elsewhere. There was a desire, a seeking of something else And he started to look for it in all of these other ways. We find that he took his eyes even off the wisdom that he was given. And he focused it into the things that God added on the back end of his wisdom. And that's really what we have been looking at. Now, I view it this way. Solomon kind of sitting back at the end of his days, looking on his whole life, maybe with a crowd in front of him of younger folk, And he says, let me tell you what I discovered in life. Let me tell you what I dealt with in life. And he just starts to rattle through the words that we've been reading and looking at for the last five weeks, now the sixth week, this book called Ecclesiastes. So the natural question for us would be this. All right, we've heard Solomon where not to go, what doesn't bring wisdom or what doesn't bring uh, fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning. So where do I find it, Solomon? And he addresses this here at the very end. So let me switch gears. I want to ask you a couple questions, and then I want to jump in just to this text, which is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Starts in verse 9. We're going to go through 14, which finishes out the final chapter uh, of Ecclesiastes. Let me just ask you a few questions. Um, this, these questions are for everyone out there. Uh, but, you know, as... Probably the guys are the ones I spend the most time with, and I understand sometimes your struggles and frustrations in life, in your spiritual life. So men, especially listen and hear these questions. Let me just ask you these. If I were to ask you this morning, people, 
um, Wendover Hills, are you a spiritual giant? If I were to say, if you, are you, would you consider yourself like a spiritual giant? How would you answer that question? Now, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to holler it out um, unless you're really so inclined. Any, anyone? John, no? Okay. Are you a spiritual giant? My, my guess is most of you, uh, as you heard that question, either through just straight honesty or humility, I, I don't know however you answered it, you would say, no, no, I don't see myself as a spiritual giant. So let me go, let me ask a different question. Would you see yourself as somebody that you're like, I really know God's word, like fairly well inside and out. There's certainly things in there I still have to, to garner. It's not like I've memorized Genesis through Revelation or anything. I mean, Ray down here has, but other than that, um, yeah, I have memorized it all the way through, but, but I, I've got a pretty good handle on God's word and knowing what it's about. And I, I understand you know, Old Testament, New Testament, and, and those type of things. I have a, a pretty good handle on this thing. Would you say that describes you pretty well this morning? Again, you don't have to answer out loud my guess, and this is just me going on my experience, uh, especially in the, my conversations with men over the years. My guess is you would probably say, no, not, I, you know, I know a few things, but man, I, I really... I really get a little nervous if somebody asks me, puts me on the spot sometimes and asks me a question about anything because I, I just, I don't feel like I know it all that well. Actually, another question uh, this morning. Um, how well are you spiritually leading your household, your kids, your teenagers? How well are you driving the spiritual atmosphere of your home? Would you say, man, you are really driving the spiritual atmosphere of your home, driving it well? Yeah, like, however that looks, daily devotions or being into God's Word or it's just regular conversation over the course of your family's week. Are you driving the spiritual climate of your home? In my experience in talking to, to many and, and especially many men, your answer might be no on that. Let me ask you uh, two final questions. Let me ask you, how, how long have you been a Christian? Like, like, when was the time you said yes to Jesus Christ in your life? Was it maybe in high school you had a moment you were at a, a camp and that's like, that was the beginning and, and you've been in church since? Or maybe it's just a few years or 10 years or 15 or whatever. How long has it been that you've been a Christian? Now, that's answer I think you could, a question you probably have a quick answer for in your head. You know the answer to that one. Now, ask yourself the three question again. Hey, are you a spiritual giant? Are, are you... Are you just, would you say, I got a really good handle on the Word of God? I'm driving the spiritual climate of your home. And think about it in terms of the question, how long? And let me ask you a final question before we jump into this. Why not? Why not? If the answer is no, why not would be the final question. And it's not a question that we would uh, desire to harp and that I want to now bring up the holier-than-thou's up and say, you know, these are the ones you need to be like. It has no bearing of that. The question is this for us as believers in Jesus Christ this morning, as people who are finishing off a book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon has said, I've searched and searched and searched and searched for years and years in these different ways, and they never brought satisfaction or meaning until what he's going to reveal to us in the end here. It's a very significant question. I've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It was in high school, and I just turned 43 years old. That's my story. The question, why not? Why aren't we deeper? Why don't we know more about who God 
Why aren't we spiritual giants? Why don't we know his word in a deeper level? Why aren't we driving the spiritual atmosphere of our home? Why not would be the question to ask ourselves this morning. Okay, that's enough of a feeling of beat up. That's just to set the the platform of what Solomon is trying to teach us here in this very last moment of the book of Ecclesiastes. Because I believe, as he's going to tell us, that if we were to gauge in the way that, that he is talking to us about, first off, daily, that we would find different answers to the questions I just asked you a few moments ago. Verse 9, if you've got your Bible open, Ecclesiastes verse 9, it says this. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order my pro- many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. So as Solomon is recapping now this book of Ecclesiastes, he's getting a little more broad now, and he's getting a little more holistic, and he actually does something a little sneaky in the way he writes this. Now, if you've got a, a translation here, it might have said, not only was the teacher with a kind of a lowercase t, we would just think not only was the teacher, the one we've been talking about, he actually uses the word teacher throughout this book, or it's been used several times in this book to clarify uh, Solomon as the teacher here. But it's, what's interesting is the original language here, this teacher becomes almost a proper noun here. It becomes a, as we would say in English, a capital T teacher. And some of your translations actually show that if you're reading it this morning, you'll see the teacher was wise. So what we're finding here in this last section of the scripture is that Solomon is meshing this connection between the teacher, him, what he's been writing up till now, with the words of God. As if he's saying, look, the words I'm sharing with you, these are not my words. These are the words of God that I share with you. He imparted the knowledge to the people. He searched to, to find many proverbs. We know that's, that's Solomon even writes in this style. The teacher searched to find just the right words. The words he wrote were upright and true. What Solomon is wanting us to know is the words of God, the words that have God has shared to him that he is sharing with you and putting forth that we've been looking at the last six weeks, and he writes more beyond the book of Ecclesiastes. What he's saying, these are right words. These are true words. These are upright words because they're words that are connected with the mouth of God. And so he's wanting you to know as he finishes out this, my words are God's words. He then goes on to describe these words. He says here, the words of the wise are like goads. You know what he means there? Um, now, I'm not a big, um, you know, like farmer or cattle type of person, um, but I've learned a little bit through my friend Richard uh, back here who continually tries to get me on a bull. Um, and I tell him, no, that's a bunch of bull. I'm not doing that. Um, but it actually, this goat, it means like a cattle prod. Now do you get a little bit of, uh, more of an understanding, um, these things that they might poke to uh, get cattle moving or get it in order or whatever else you use those for. Not a delightful thing that Solomon is actually saying to us that the words of God are like this. They bring order. They bring direction to us. Uh, they, they take us where we need to go in life. He even says, right after that, they collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. Now, that doesn't sound super exciting um, to have firmly 
embedded nails. Uh, like a nail-studded stick is what the New Living Translation says, which a shepherd drives the sheep. So you're getting the picture that these are strong, powerful, direct words that Solomon's using. In the beginning of this, I told you that Solomon is not really interested in buttering you up. He's not really interested in making you feel really good about this. And can you picture here, he's not saying, I really want to make it a very rosy, nice picture for you on why you might should listen to the words of God. He says to him, these are the things that will drive your life. These are the things that are truth. And sometimes it hurts when we're off track. Sometimes it hurts when we're in life and we're looking for meaning through material possessions, as he talked about. When we're looking for meaning through pleasure, as he talked about. When we're looking for meaning only through uh, our academics or knowledge, as he talked about. When we're looking for uh, meaning just through climbing the corporate ladder or working our job or those type of things. He says, you know what? It's painful when God has to get our attention sometimes and says, get back on track. Some of you would say, like, I I get it. I I understand clearly how painful getting off God's track is. And even when I made the decision to uh, abide by the voice of God, getting myself turned around and back on track, there's some pain and some consequences that even come with leaving that and getting in the right lifestyle. That's what Solomon is getting at here. And he's saying that this comes from the voice of God, the words of God. That when we embed ourselves in hearing the voice of God, hearing the truth of God, hearing the word of God, that it brings us back in line, just like these two illustrations of the cattle uh, and the shepherd here. He says in verse 12, Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. You know what he's saying there is the words of God is what you need, it's what you need. Uh, You don't need anything additional to them. You need the word of God and the voice of God. He even goes on to to make this point a little more emphatic. He says after that, of making many books, there is no end. And much study wears out the body. Be careful, he says in the New Living Translation, for writing books is endless and much studying wears you out. When I think about that, I think... You can go into any bookstore, any Christian bookstore, and it will be filled with books, helpful books, books that can be of value to your life. But if we're not careful, believers, we enjoy listening to the books or reading the books, excuse me, you're listening to them, I guess if you go that route, to the books rather than hearing the word of God or listening to the word of God. And what Solomon is is saying to here, hey, be careful. The word of God is really what you need. The voice of God, the truth of God. Let any other book just accentuate and help in the process. Never replace the voice of God with anything else. I thought I'd bring along a little bit of my library um, that I have on my bookshelf. I just grabbed a few items. And and this is like, these go uh, just kind of all over the map. So like, this is like a devotion book. Some of you guys like do, working through devotion books and those, like that's what it is, an anchor for our soul. Um, good kind of thing. Here's the power of prayer book. So if you're like sitting there going, man, I, I need to learn how to pray or learn about prayer. You know, there's lots of books uh, on those. Um, this is kind of a fun title. It says, hell is for real, but I hate to admit it. Um, so interesting talk about uh, 
uh, hell. Um, this one's the other way. Heaven is for real. Um, remember, there was the book, a movie to go along with it. That was pretty popular. Um, here's just a, a, like you're, maybe you've read the New Testament. You're like, hey, I'd like to know a little bit about the background. All kinds of books like this, um, you know, kind of commentary books or context books you can read. My youth pastor wrote this book. It's called Filled Out, Poured Out. Um, it's a book about the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, he was significant in my life. Um, Wayne Cordiero. I actually gave out this book five and a half years ago to many people here. We've gave out a dozen or so copies about how to get engaged in God's Word. That's kind of a neat book, right? Here's really Willie Robertson's Time Machine. Um, not sure how that got in the list there, but... Oh, if you, some of you uh, older folks, you'll remember Tony Campolo's The Kingdom of God is a Party, right? Yep. It's up there. Um, leadership books. You can get all kind of Christian leadership books. John Maxwell's got a whole series. Here's the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership here. Um, so, good stuff. Uh, Cold Case Christianity. I picked that up. If you're like, like apologetics, kind of the whys, how does this all work together? Look at that. Books like that. I could go on and on for days, as you could too, if you looked at your shelf. Um, this is an interesting one. This is called, what is this? This Andy Roddy, Roddick beat me with a frying pan. Um, I don't know if there's any significance in this, but I did bookmark a page, so let me see what it is. Um, oh, yeah, this guy writes little chapters about if you took a, a major league sport and then you took an offset of that sport, what would happen? Uh, would a major league batting champion dominate in wiffle ball? I mean, it could be a spiritual... Let's just read to make sure. I mean... So this one says, I headed out to the baseball field in Chandler, Arizona, where I met Jim Ballion, who was dressed in a Arizona Vipers uniform. 31-year-old Ballion, when not a senior analyst and part-time professor, is one of the best wiffle ball players in the world. A two-time wiffle ball national champion and MVP. Joining him was teammate and protege Randy Dalby at 6'6", 21-year-old former All-State basketball player, and Tom Raven, who played baseball at Azusa Pacific and has a swing as pretty as Manny Ramirez. It's in print. It's in print. Can't be a lie. There it is. Tremendous, significant spiritual value for your life. You can look in all kinds of places, in books, all kinds of things. You know what Solomon is saying? That's fine. But if you seek all your value and meaning here and never here, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Now, the flip side could be said, if you so would like to just stay in God's word and you have things that you need to grow and learn more about, learn more about the, the social context or the, you know, what, the, the date and time, um, or more about a few words or, or a subject matter, and you say, well, I can't ever read anything outside the Bible. Well, you've missed out on a lot that could really speak into your life uh, as well. Solomon is understanding at least our day and age. Remember we said it was a very modern book? He understands that in our day and age, day and age excuse me, we're more drawn to this and less drawn to this. A few weeks ago, I told you the stats on this, and I, I told you that the average believer, uh, evangelical Christian, spends about two minutes in God's Word a week outside of their maybe Bible study or Sunday morning or those type of things. Uh, I told you, just to be fair, that the average pastor spends about 12 minutes outside of their study for uh, their sermon or teaching time over the course of the week. What does this say to us? We really tend to not spend time in God's Word. I would guess our knee-jerk response, uh, if we were to ask uh, how significant is the Bible in our life, our knee-jerk response, we're supposed to say, we're conditioned to say that this is of extreme significance and importance to our life. 
But in reality, the practical does not always show that. So here's what I'd like to, to say to us this morning as we finish off this whole series. Solomon is letting us know that this knowing God's word, more so than knowing the words of others, brings significant value and meaning to our life. He finishes off, he says this, now all of this has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. (coughs) Fear God. Now that might be a word that you haven't heard as much associated uh, with God's word. It doesn't mean fear as in it's Halloween time and we run up to a haunted house trying to have something jump around the corner and make us jump. That's not what he's discussing. He's saying this tremendous awe and reverence and surrender of my life too. That's what he means by the word fear. That when I surrender to, when I hold in such high place and revere in an awe that I am in the Hebrew understanding, I am in fear of God. And what he is saying here is that when we have this, when we keep his commandments, how do we know his commandments? Through his word. When we keep his word and when we hold him in that place, that's where we find this type of joy. One time I uh, heard a, a small skit being done on somebody who was looking for the significance of, of their walk with God and how they could go deeper with God. And the answer from the person that they were asking was just simply, well, you know, pray and read God's word and, and spend some time engaging with other Christians. And they said, yeah, that's great. Um, but really, like, what is, like, give me a cutting edge, uh, something I can do that's like, you know, very 21st century. Well, you could, I mean, you could pray and read God's word and probably get with some Christians who could help you out. Like, that's great. Check, check, check. That's good. Now, but like, is there anything like, postmodern in our thinking? Is there anything, you know, and the same answer came. And finally, the frustrated person that was answering the question just made something up like, you know, stand in cold spaghetti and pour syrup on your head or that type of thing. And, and the person brightened up and said, there you have it, the secret to the Christian life, stand in cold spaghetti, pour syrup on your head. It, it seems silly, but sometimes as believers, it's that simple that we're looking for something besides what God has said. Talk to me. Uh, engage in my word that I gave to you. Spend time with others wise in the faith that can speak into your life and can talk with you about the faith and maybe what you're struggling with or what you have questions on. It's that simple. And Solomon, in this great journey he goes on, journey that's similar to the journey we've been on, seeking material possessions and pleasure and knowledge and bigger houses and greater raises at our jobs. And if I can get my kid in one more activity, it'll give them an opportunity to be a pro athlete or whatever it is. Or uh, if I could just do one more thing, never mind that it might cause me to miss out on opportunities that Solomon is warning us otherwise. This whole journey, he circles back to a very simple statement at the end know God's word. Know God's word and follow God's word to find meaning and value and significance in your life. Can I ask you a question? Why not? Why not are you spiritual giants? Why not do we know more about God's word? Why are we not driving our families and leading our families spiritually 
in the discipleship series we walk through, why are more of us not say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a parent Christian. I'm actually discipling somebody else in their Christian growth. And Solomon here would say, if that's not you, if you have nose to any of those, could I just encourage you and drive you back to God's word, spending time with God's word, and then just living out whatever it is he reveals to you in his word. So I have a simple uh, takeaway this morning, just a simple commitment at the end. Two weeks ago, uh, some of you made this commitment, and I've been uh, encouraged and intrigued by those of you who made this and you've been reading through it. I want to make sure I throw this out as this simple commitment at the end of your page. It's simply this. I commit 15 minutes a day, same place, same time, being in God's word. That's it. It's saying, I'll take this and I'm just going to open up God's word and I'm going to shut everything else out and I'm going to spend time engaging in God's word 15 minutes a day, same comfortable place, comfortable chair, get your cup of coffee, whatever you need, and sit and work through reading God's word for 15 minutes a day. You see, sometimes I think we approach this like it's a painkiller or Advil rather than more like a vitamin. We think if I would just, the ache in my life, if I would just go in here and I'd jump in and read a verse or two or read a minute a day or read the one verse devotional a day, and if I'd just, I don't know, do that two times a week whenever it kind of works into my schedule, like the headache of life will just go away and I'll be good till the next time. Put the Bible back on the shelf and when I need it again, I'll go back at it. And God said, it doesn't work that way. Solomon's saying it doesn't work that way in life. It's being in God's word every day. It's letting this book speak to us. It's engaging with the challenges that he puts in front of us and seeing if they don't make an impact in our life. So I'm going to pray for you uh, on this end. And I'm going to just ask that the Lord would help you in this area and this commitment this week. And then I want to uh, invite you in one more area. You have a card on your chair. Um, It's a card that we use as a communication card. You can simply tell us you have a change of address or we can go really deep with this and you can share with us what's going on in your life. And I recognize that for many of you, as you're looking at this, you're in the middle of like pretty significant turmoil in your life. And some of it's because you've been chasing after satisfaction in other areas. Some of you, you're at the point where it's, it's almost a breakdown or break in your marriage because of this. And you have two people that have not been so guided and directed by God's word that you're having a very difficult time figuring out what the next step is and what do you do in your marriage. And I want to make sure you know that we're going to, we want to pray for you and help you and resource you in any way we can. This morning, you might need to take that card and just tell us, hey, I need to talk about this area. I need prayer in this area. Maybe it's your marriage this morning. Uh, maybe for you, it, 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 it's an addiction or, or it's something that you just, you know God is calling you to. He's saying there's no joy, there's no satisfaction, but it has such a grip on your life this morning that you just can't figure out how to let it go. And I want to make sure we pray for you. Use that card this week. And I don't want to just pray for you. I want us to resource you this week and engage with you on this because we're finishing up this series. I don't want to wait six years to go through Ecclesiastes again before you think about satisfaction and meaning in your life again. It's time for you to, to nip this right now and attack it head on. And as your pastor, I want us to resource and help you in that this week. Whatever else came to mind, either today or in this journey, would you use that card? Would you share it with us? You have a few minutes to to fill this out. 
And would you turn that in this week so that we can engage with you and help you however we can in this journey. Your job, I want to encourage you, get into God's word right away. Get into God's word even starting today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. Thank you, Lord, that the conclusion, Lord, is, is pretty incredibly simple that you put in front of us. That you say your word is truth. Your voice brings truth to our life. And Father, then you tell us we've got this whole book of your truth. It's a big book, Lord. There's lots to read. There's lots of your voice to be heard. And I want to just, Lord, I just want to pray for anyone in here that just said, I will commit 15 minutes a day. I need this. I, I want to pray for the one that even saying, I don't even want to do that, I, I, but I know, I know I need it, so I guess I'll jump out and do it. Lord, whatever little avenue is given to you for your voice to be heard in their life every day, Lord, I want to pray for those people. I want to pray, Lord, because I know that when they engage in your word this afternoon, tomorrow morning, and they get going, reading, I know you're going to speak. I know your words are going to challenge them and going to encourage them. Lord, they're going to be words they read like how much you love them and embrace them on how much value they are. And Lord, I know in, in, in a, you know, in a, in a world where simple things like forgotten birthdays or important anniversary dates or things like that can make us feel devalued, we're looking for value in anything at times. Your word's going to share that with them, the value of who they are as a child of God. Lord, I know your word is going to share with them the, the solution to what they're dealing with, what they're going through, relational struggle, financial struggle, whatever, Lord. Your word is not void of speaking in any matter. So I pray for those who have made that commitment. And I pray for the testimony of your word that we'll hear. And Father, I'll lift up finally here those who are in uh, deep struggle or despair in their life, marriage, some of their relationship, financial, their family. Maybe they're just at their wits end on their parenting and what to do. Father, I pray that, first of all, they would surrender to you. There could be nothing that I can say or anyone else that would be of significant value if they won't first surrender before you as their God. And then, Lord, would you, would you give us wisdom on how to, how to engage with them and help them? Bring the healing, Lord. Now, Lord, uh, launch us out, Lord. And the persons that, that you have in front of us to come in contact with, may we be a blessing, may we be a joy to their life. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow night um, is a big night for us here. It's uh, be a huge party. I've talked to the principal twice this week. She is just crazy excited about us being here tomorrow night and what, uh, what we're going to do in the trunk or treat. Um, we got to 30 cars, so thank you for those that uh, have, have uh, volunteered your car tomorrow night. Uh, please be in place at 530, uh, like we said. Uh, now, last year we had 34 cars, so part of my competitive nature is still driving the idea of, of we're not going to have 34 cars last year. And, and uh, um, So if uh, this morning you're like, oh, I forgot to sign up, or oh, that's enough guilt for me, Tom. So, um, did I say that out loud? Um, so, uh, we, w- we would welcome you. Um, more cars, the merrier. The kids have certainly would enjoy it uh, as well. 
And uh, if uh, you're not signed up, and if, if you feel like, you know, I got kids and, and the working, please just come enjoy the event uh, tomorrow night. Just come walk and, and be a part of what we're doing would, uh, would be great. Six o'clock start tomorrow night. Everything's free. Well, I want to invite uh, Rich Brindle and uh, Jim Bethune. Rich Brindle is our vice chair of the board, and Jim Bethune is our treasurer of the church. And uh, they're going to um, share a few words with you, and then uh, they'll lead right into our uh, ending of our service.